Hi, this is Ken and my daughter. Hello. That's Layla. And this is the 119th episode of the Forever Two Wheels podcast. We had a great podcast with Paul DeOrleans of the Vintagent. Um, he's a motorcycle historian, and it was just a really fun conversation. We went into motorcycle news, all sorts of great stuff. So we really appreciate you listening. Layla, do you have anything else to say? Everyone is awesome. Oh, y'all. And do you hear that? Everyone is awesome. So make sure, if you are awesome, that you go rate and review us on Stitcher, iTunes, etc. And we greatly appreciate that. So here is episode 119 of the Forever Two Wheels podcast, Shop Talk Edition. Chris Callen, Heather Callen, myself, and our guest, Paul DeOrleans from TheVintageGent.com. Okay, motorcycle miscreants and scooter tramps everywhere across the land. It's 9 o'clock on the East Coast. It's time for another episode of Shop Talk. I'm Chris Callen in the Cycle Source Magazine headquarters joined by my cohort in crime, Ken Connie in Colorado. What's up, Ken? What's up, man? How's Not, things? It's good. Another week of motorcycling. Good. Yeah, indeed. You, indeed. Uh, you look like you're sporting the playoff beard there. What, what team are you rooting for? Uh, I didn't know it was the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be a problem. I don't know who's in it. Okay, maybe it's. But a, I probably wouldn't. I put, probably wouldn't be rooting for anybody, anyways. Maybe it's a hunting beard. Let's call it that. It's laziness beard. That's what it is. It's lazy. <laughs> Wintertime breeds contempt. I'll give you that. Mm. <clears throat> so that's um, interesting. Who said that? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe Chris Callen did. <laughs> All right. So. Another interesting week. Um, the world is a buzz with electric motorcycle noise. <laughs> right, that was, that good was a pun. good one. See that? Yeah. I'm punny. Um, if this is your first time viewing Shop Talk, uh, it's a little thing that Ken and I started as a weekly conversation that we used to have on the telephone. We moved it up to bring it into your headspace, and once a week now we do this where we bring on uh, the latest motorcycle news, go over it, have a good talk, usually have a guest or two, and the whole thing goes down with a social media component. We invite you during that time through that component to participate by going over to the side there and putting your, putting your comments in, and, and we'll talk about them. Because it's only a conversation if the shit goes two ways. So get involved. That's right. <laughs> that, that is that is correct. We have some of our favorites in the house right now. Looks like Hot Leathers just uh, reposted it for us. Looks nice. like Rebecca is saying she can't watch the whole thing right now because she's got to work. But she's going to watch the replay. So but we appreciate what's, that. What's the good news about that? If you have to work, you can still you can still take in all the news that fits. By putting your headphones on and listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then uh, Tom Kiefer in the house once again. Right on. And I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop trying to move around. I'm like, <laughs> I keep going towards the, the controls. I'm like, okay, where's he going? Where's he going? Yeah. Makes me want to play whack a mole. So I'll move this way a little bit. <laughs> so that voice that you uh, you heard chime in from the. The other side of the room there is the lovely Heather, and she's Hiya. on hand to uh, bring on all your comments that we might miss in our little dialogue box. What do you got for us tonight, Blondie? Um, let's see. Walter Cerisi is here. David Wayne 
Ridinger, Brenda and Jack are here, Rob El Tigre, and a bunch of other people. We have a bunch of people watching already. 50 bucks says that you said that last name wrong. 50. Which one? I'm putting a 50 Which one? On. Rob. Well, I mean, it's E-L-T-I-G-R-E. That's, I feel like that's that's code for Bob the Tiger. Yep. <laughs> Bob, help me out here. Come on, help me out. All right. So what? Can, and Walter can, said, "Hey, girls, why don't you why don't you kick off the week for us? Tell us where to go. What are we talking about? Let's get into some shit. <laughs> huh? Come on now. I'll tell you where like to I go. Just, no. Okay. Never mind. What's that? No. Go ahead, Heather. <laughs> no, no. I was just kidding. I have nothing well, to say. You can tell us where to go. Oh, wait right. a minute. Rob said I got it right. So nee, 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 nee. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's what's up. Say it live on Facebook. So you, you the one right. thing I do want to say is that last week um, was our best week. This is the biggest broadcast we've had live. Right, Chris? Yes, it was. Um, that's super exciting for us considering where the, you know, some of the motorcycle media is going. Um, so yeah. we're just going to continue to move ahead. We want to hear your comments, suggestions, ideas, etc. Be nice. We're doing oh. <laughs> this out of the kindness of our hearts thus far. <laughs> Um, no, and you know, yeah, we want to hear from, we want to hear from everyone. And seriously, like one of the one of the biggest reasons why we're doing this every week is the motorcycle industry is struggling to find footing. They're looking to re-identify who the motorcycle community is, and it's got to have conversation to make that happen. So we're inviting you guys to be a part of where all this shit goes next. And we've got some killer <clears throat> coming up, and I'm just going to preview that. You know, Do this it. week we've Do got it. Paul Orleans on. Um, but the next three weeks are just going to be, it is going to keep the conversation going. We've got, um, pretty well-known rock star. Um, we've got a guy from across the pond who's going to talk about, um, motorcycling over there as well as kind of the relationship between promo girls and motorcycling. And then we're also going to have, uh, Gavin Fox and Lana Roll from the La Lidas. And dude, I cannot wait. Until so the person you're talking about the uh, the the guy from across the pond that's Dutch. Like, come on Dutch when Dutch comes on I can't wait for that conversation I can't wait because it was I can't wait to hear what the comments are going to be what was it 14 years ago we got rid of a uh, the the model on the cover of the magazine so yeah. 14 years ago we stopped putting a girl on the cover of the magazine because it was like you know this just doesn't really fit I mean you know yeah. it is what it is but when this year. The Motorcycle Industry Council announced that 19% of registered motorcyclists out in the world today are female riders. It's a big flag that's being waved about changing the way that you do things. Sure. Well, and I think that that really rolls right into kind of har the shift that Harley might be doing. Do you want to pull that up for news? I think it might be an appropriate thing or no. This is the... Uh, it's okay. The uh, marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Let me um, Let me grab you that real quick. So it sounds like Harley Davidson is while you're looking for that. Um, Harley Davidson is going to be looking for a new marketing and creative agency. And my uh, typical, um, but I'm trying to be better, Chris. I swear, <laughs> my try, my typical negative reaction. I'm like a pessimist who really wants to be optimistic. Um, is God damn it, we're going to go through this again. And then Chris pointed out that we're going to have some people. There are some people at the helm now. Um, that are really going to help with that. Um, and I think, um, I think moving forward, there's going to be some great, I think there's going to be some great strides made. 
Hey, look at that real quick. I just want to say hi to Jackie Van Ham is on. Jackie, next week um, oh. when Dutch is on, we're going to be looking for a lot of the, the lot of the women that are out there to uh, get involved in the conversation. So thanks for checking in on us. But for sure, be back here next week because it's going to be a great um, a great episode. And, you know, going, going on to what you said there, I think that at the core of Harley-Davidson, if you, if you get to know the people inside the company like we have over the years, there are some really, really, like, long-time entrenched enthusiasts that absolutely love this from the bottom of their hearts. Oh, for sure. So I'm excited. I'm excited at the proposition that they would get some, uh, some fresh ideas and, and a new set of eyes to look at what their, what their marketing strategies are. I think it's going to be good for the company. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that at this point, there's there's got to be a little bit of a shakeup, and it sounds like that's happening, and so that's I think that's really great. So, yep. So um, that's our uh, that's our cue that normally I'm supposed to before we before we play the news, I'm supposed to do this little bit. Oh, <laughs> I blew it, Ken. I totally I'm blew terrible, it. Terrible, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. You think I would know after however many times we've been doing this that I would just be like, hey, pull that up now. So like, this, this is the 90 minutes of all the news that fits as best as yeah. we can do it, the best way we yeah. can deliver it. Anything that we grabbed on the way into the show. So I think it's I think it's important that people understand the kind of effort that we all put into this. Oh, <laughs> this, little, this little program. It's something like, else. It is. It is something else, and I'm just gonna. I'm gonna apologize right here on on live on our live broadcast because I was totally shitty with Chris and Heather right before we got on the air, um, and uh, there's no need for that. Um, and you know, fortunately, my shitty these days is pretty just like uh, passive aggressive and not. Not awful, um, like it used to be. So I apologize, but no, but it's good. I, you know, this is the funny thing to mention to people. When this started out, we started doing shop talk when Facebook first launched its side by side broadcasting. You could do a broadcast, a live broadcast with you and another person, and that's how we started. And now yep. there's six computer screens sitting oh, in front shit. of me, dude, <laughs> an entire mixing board, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Like this yeah. is this is where this is going to. Okay. I've got studio lights and all sorts. Yeah, went and bought a new computer. Yeah, all that stuff. Got a big old, you know, Cat Five line running from the top of my house to the bottom of my house. Ryan so, yeah. Ryan McQuiston said he shared Shop Talk, but got a bunch of people telling me they can't see the broadcast. Share the one from the Cycle Source page or from the Cycle Source YouTube page. That's what I realized too. Yep. I screwed up. I shared your personal one, Chris, last week because that's the first one that pops up. Yeah. So anybody out there that is sharing Chris's because it's the first one that pops up when when it automatically comes on, you got to share the next one, which is the Cycle Source one. Yeah. For so some it says reason, Chris Callen is live or something like that. I don't know. And then it goes to cycle source. For some reason, mine is still, uh, mine, my personal site is set to private, which is ridiculous because nothing in my life is private. The address on the subscription page is my house, you know, so. Don't push me. He tells do. people that I don't care. all what the time. You listen, doing? listen. It's really, it's really important to know that when, like, this is also where the complaint department is. So <laughs> if you're down for a trip to north northeastern Pennsylvania, um, Rob mentions that it is code for tiger. So you all got that shit figured out. <laughs> nice. nice. So we're both right. Nice. And I owe, I owe uh, Ryan McQuiston a, a t-shirt. 
Go ahead. He shared, yeah, he shared our, our broadcast last week like 20 times or something. Like on, He must have like 50 different pages that he works with. Um, and so he just shared it a ton of times, and we really appreciate that because that stuff really, really helps. Um, and it's I'm sure it's one of the reasons why our show last week was the biggest it's ever been. So, you know, it takes a village. I'm going to give Ryan some big love right now. So – there he is. That's his shop. And this is the cool little bag of goodies that he sent me. Look at that. I can't say it because your arm's in the way. They're custom cast push rod oh, tube collars. Oh, nice. Right? And he makes these, man. And, like, I want to, I seriously want to get these done with the cycle source skull on them. So anybody that uh, sees Ryan's name up there, make sure you tell That's him cool. that, that you Throw would like ice. to see throw some ice in there and bling it all out right <laughs> right i love Elvis that you style. think a baggie of motorcycle parts is cool instead of oh. what a little baggie you used to think cool was cool uh, yeah <laughs> listen your mother's watching this show why don't we tone like it down? she doesn't why don't know. we why don't we tone it down just a little bit Holy. there blondie my mother's been here for almost three weeks like she doesn't know <laughs> my poor oh. mother she's watching right now she is a saint because she has tolerated chris and i through oh. a deadline and as you can imagine a Ken, bunch of other a publisher's office, a motorcycle publisher's office in the Northeast in the wintertime is not the most serene settings that you could find yourself in. Really, dude? Yeah. I figured I figured I walk in your house, there's like, you know, a singing bowl going on in the background and like little wind chimes. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Some that's incense funny. burning. Okay. Well, the no, truth so is, that's not the, case. the truth is tonight, Heather has her computer on her lap because the little table that she normally has. <laughs> I whipped that son of a bitch across the room the other day in a fit of rage where I was admittedly unrecognizable. <laughs> uh, yup. Yeah, it was. Shit yeah. gets deep here. That's all I'm saying. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me that you're human, Chris? Yes, you I have am. Fits of rage. It, Imagine that. Oh yeah. It turns out it was an exceptional one. I was just like, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go upstairs now, honey. <laughs> and I just slid out the back door. Yeah. Okay. And with that, back so, to the news. Hey, I do want to mention one thing real quick. If you guys will look down into the corner, yeah. if you look into the corner there, you'll see these logos that change every once in a while. JP Cycles, SNS, Hot Leathers. These people are our sponsors. They share the show for us. They help us with products and news. And, you know, just to let you know, there are people that are helping us do this. So please, if you dig what we're doing, help them to go check out their sites and tell them that Shop Talk sent you. So I want to talk to Donald Hunter real quick. So yeah. Donald Hunter is from Plymouth, New Hampshire. He is also the guy that won the T-Tracker, the Twisted T-Tracker that we built. And we were supposed to deliver that bike to him at Christmas time, but we had a, a vehicle failure. So hopefully you're going to get that next week, Don. Um, it was going to be this weekend, but Winter the Storm massive, Harper yeah, is going to... This one's bad enough that they gave it a name. Yeah. So Winter Storm Harper is stopping you from getting that bike this weekend, but I'm hoping within the next week you will have that motorcycle our, in your possession. Our plan is to leave here Monday with the motorcycle in tow. So... Um, Hang on for just a second, buddy. We're sorry. that the and, and anyone who owns a Sprinter van out there can sympathize with me. The reason why we didn't go the last time was I got the dreaded nine start remaining error code on a Sprinter. And that is like, that's worse than knowing that you have like a double root canal to go to. It's the worst yeah. thing ever. Every turn you turn time you turn a key on, nine starts remaining, eight starts remaining. And when that sucker gets down to zero, you're done. The, the, the vehicle will not start. 
That's it, huh? Oh. Good times. He fixed it, though. He's of course pretty he did. handy. Okay, so back to the news. Um, yeah. Ducati demonstrates car-to-bike communication system. This seems like it's uh, moving into a an accepted reality that we're now going to have motorcycles that are being looked after by technology and cars rather than people keeping their eyes open and not being stupid. But I think it's good because it, it gives both, you know, like it gives us to, the opportunity to have both where we've got, um, I mean, you saw RoboCop. You know what can but happen. What happened when you- <laughs> to people being accountable for oh, their own stupid please. natural selection? Natural please. selection has to come into play. Please. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I but think- that 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 was true. We didn't have motorized vehicles that are going 140 miles an hour, right? <laughs> I think the greatest part about it natural is the press selection. release actually says Ducati demonstrates car to bike communication as opposed to bike to car communication. <laughs> which albeit is a, a, I've never done that. Chris. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. Ah. Uh, I did it. Yeah, in California the last time I was riding a motorcycle. So. Chris is not a passive driver. So, no, I'm not. <laughs> hey, at least you don't carry a roll of quarters in your pocket anymore, anymore. right? Anymore. Used to be bearings. <laughs> What's that? Used to be bearings. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so um, BMW self-riding motorcycle is packed with near-future tech, and I'm going to play this out the same way we did in pre-show. What does near-future mean? Do you want me? Yes. To- <laughs> Tell everybody. It how- means. <laughs> In the near future, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even trying to be a smartass when I said that either. But, yeah. I think okay. So I'm not Make even sure stop. what the hell happened there. <laughs> That was that. Those are the aliens taking over. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, we have, we are coming for your motorcycle. Your near future technology. <laughs> you said RoboCop. <laughs> we are coming for you. It's going to come out of the screen there in a minute, Chris. Oh, okay. You. Drew Woodford agrees with my natural selection. Yeah. There's not enough going on. Enough of that going on. There just isn't. I'm sorry. Technology um, is saving too many idiots. Or creating mm. too many edits. Tech Which is, one is it? Look, Rob says tech is good, but can you install the transponder onto a panhead? You know, you actually can. There's there's quite a bit you can do if you have to. Yeah. If you want yeah, to. I mean, if you it, want to. But I think when we talk about self-riding motorcycles, like, I don't even understand what that is. I don't even understand why you would do that. Well, for people, this is something I Jim we just Cook. had. <laughs> this is something Blind Bob. Blind sure. Bob is ha- is having a self self driving motorcycle yes. built for him there right now. So yeah. for his in his instance, I completely get it. Yep, okay. absolutely. I'll get. I'll I'll, I'll buy that. But for the average Joe, no, nope. It's like an RC car, right? You just take it out on the track, and right. you just don't—you don't, you don't yeah. even have to be on it. You just yeah. have like a little widget that you yeah, autonomous control cars, with. Hey, motorcycles. I don't take any of it. Our boy teaches in the house, and he says that Mac and Hammy are looking for bulldog dog love. <gasps> that means anybody who knows Kevin Bass. When we went to the Donnie Smith show, we took Nugget, the the Cycle Source mascot bulldog, and we took her up to teaches, and we stayed at his place for a weekend in our little mobile command center. 
And every time we opened the door, his two, his two bulldogs were up on their hind legs, standing at the door, like waiting for Nugget. I, I know she's inside. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, it's good to have family all over the country. Have you have you been keeping up on uh, Dakar, the Dakar rally at all? I haven't. No, but I Dude. did share that link, Chris. We have a video for that wreck that you Dude. sent today. Yeah, that thing is so crazy. I didn't even remember that I sent it, to be honest with you, Heather. It just, it just occurred to me because we were talking about self-riding motorcycles. And it looked like he was riding some sort of adventure bike. Um, but the coverage that they have now, and I don't know how they get it, but it used to be where you'd actually have to watch it. But now you can get basically the highlights on Instagram um, and see these just in you just watch it and you're like are they on the moon what are they doing well and this is you know this, this was one of our uh, top video picks of the week but i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this up real quick this is the video you guys are talking about to the balls that this dude has look just full throttle full throttle ready no idea what's on the other side oh oh, oh. He's hurting right now, though, for sure. Oh, yeah, that's a rough one. Okay, that's so far. I mean, that's such a far <laughs> jump. I don't. Yeah, just like into the abyss. Oh, and they're the man. There's like those guys that do that race. You gotta have you gotta have balls big enough to carry in a wheelbarrow because it's oh. like that. You're watching a topographical map and gauging like where you're gonna be and and you know that's nuts. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's not like it's not like rally car driving where you've got somebody telling you, you know, three degrees cliff. right, right, left, right, right, left. <laughs> you know, so crazy. Okay, so um. Before we get into our guest for the hour, we have some product stuff here real quick from the people from SNS. Let's take a look and see what they have for us. JJ from SNS talking to you about our M8 Winter Power Pack. This is a setup to go 124 cubic inches. It is a drop-on cylinder kit. It does come complete with cam, push rods, lifters, tappet cuffs, oil plate and pump. Got it all. Okay, this is applicable to your 107 engines, or more specifically, your 4 and 3 8 stroke crankshaft M8s. Now, like I said in the kit, you get your slug and jug. Shown here is the highlighted fin. We do offer this in the black fin for some of those soft tail models to match that. New is the logo on the bottom of the primary side of the cylinder. We're branding them on the left side. Quickie push rods, of course, premium tappets, tappet cuffs, things you guys are already using in your M8s, plate and pump, your cam, it's a 550 cam, chain drive or gear drive. To run gear drive, remember, you need to be under 5,000 pinion shaft runout. Now, that 550 shaft does have high valve lift and does require high lift springs. They will exceed the lift of your factory springs. 
With stock heads and stock throttle body in this kit, we test it with our stealth air cleaner and our header and MK45 mufflers. It's producing 125 horse and 135 torque. With our two into one, you'll get almost 140 foot-pounds of torque out of that setup. For more what? details on these right. kits, check out our website, sscycle.com. So <clears throat> it's pretty cool being involved in motorcycle media because a lot of times we get to be on the inside of stuff that's just about to be released. And I know I have I have some stuff, some inside knowledge of some stuff that's coming up with SNS. It's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty cool year for that company, man. I'm, I'll be super stoked to to get a chance to lend a hand in pushing that message. Nice. That'll be fun. Can I just say that it was so nice to see how much you've grown up in the past few days? Why? Because he said slug and jug, and you did not say a word. <laughs> I was very uh. impressed. Very impressed. Well, it's not like he said penis. <laughs> wow. Now, see? Now, that would have been something to laugh about. Mm. So, while we, uh, yeah, Rob says good numbers for the SNS slug and jug. It it is man and like that's the the thing that's the super exciting is some of the stuff that's starting to go on with the uh, the Milwaukee eight like I'm I'm really excited about that motor I'm really excited to see you know a lot of the companies like that uh, what did we report on a couple weeks ago that uh, it totally escapes me I don't know you'd have to give me a category and motor uh, motor uh, Milwaukee eight upgrades um, oh. It's gone. Never mind. This is what happens when you get old. You have to pee a lot and you forget shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, Teach, we did see you out on those bikes at the 115th. You were killing it. Dusty Dollar says it's, it's about money and keeping up with technology, I suppose. I'm not getting on a bike with a mind of its own. Yeah, I can give. I can, I can tell you about a shovel head that I used to own. <laughs> it definitely had a mind of its own, and there was a eh. piece of technology in that thing. But I swear yeah. to God, in its previous life, it was an Italian woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, while we get ready for this, uh, for our guest to come on for the hour, Ken, do you want to talk a little bit about who we have coming up? Sure. So we've got Paul Orleans coming on. He is the publisher of The Vintagent. Um, if you haven't been to TheVintagent.com or subscribed to their newsletter, you really should because it is phenomenal. Um, he is also the lifestyle editor for cycle world magazine he's a motorcycle historian um has a, an exhibit in the peterson automotive museum um called custom revolution i believe it is such a cool exhibit um i've actually got pictures i probably should have gotten those to you chris um from when i was there last may and then he's going to have a new exhibit um starting in april that's going to be all electric motorcycles so he has um he's got his his hands in a lot of different pieces of the motorcycle industry, um, but primarily known as a motorcycle historian. Um, I'm super excited to talk to him about the motorcycle industry, where it's going, and that sort of thing. Hey, Paul, how are you, man? <clears throat> so you're, li you're live with Chris and Ken on Shop Talk. I appreciate you coming on taking some time with us. No problem. <clears throat> it's going to be a little weird because we have you off to the side here, but on the screen, you're good to go. Good. <laughs> um, how are things? 
Things are good. It's an exciting time. It really is, isn't it? That that's actually why primarily why we wanted to have you on, you know, as a motorcycle historian. I mean, there's there's so much going on in the motorcycle industry, but can you kind of give I gave people a little bit of um your pedigree um before you came on, but can you kind of in your own words kind of sum up um where you've been in the motorcycle industry? Holy jamoli. Uh I started out <laughs> basically as a uh uh, just an enthusiast and a collector and uh, in the process of collecting motorcycles from the 1980s, way pre-internet, uh, I needed books to research these bikes that I was really interested in. So I ended up collecting, if you can see behind me, thousands and thousands of motorcycle books. I love it. A man with a library. <laughs> and I read them. So I ended up knowing a lot about motorcycle history and uh, started getting called on uh to write articles about motorcycle history, and I started a blog called The Vintage End in 2006 that was mostly about old motorcycles, but as it developed, I got interested in electric bikes and custom bikes, and things kind of snowballed from there, and I just put out a book about uh, electric motorcycles called The Current with uh, Gestalten, and uh, really, I think it's a really interesting time to be a motorcyclist. There's so much happening. It is, it is. And that's, uh, you know, I was super excited when Ken mentioned that we had a chance to get you on because there's so much talk about electric motorcycles right now. And it seems fitting that we would have a, have this chance to talk to you because for, for a large part in the American V-Twin segment, the reaction has been less than favorable. It's It's been a super, super stormy sea for Harley-Davidson with the release of the price of their their live wire and I mean what is what insight can you lend to this to to turn the corner on that well it's like I think I think those reactions are based on fear and there's nothing to fear I mean no one's going to take away your v-twin anytime soon uh they might but you might be dead by then (laughs) (laughs) right take a while to phase out gasoline power let's just put it that way you know uh it could take generations but in the meantime, uh, you know, electric bikes are actually a lot of fun. I love old motorcycles. I love singles. I love V-twins. I love early fours, late fours. You know, uh, I ride everything uh, in every decade. And, you know, electric bikes have a lot to commend them. They're really simple. But uh, it's their power that's addictive, you know. And and if you've ever – if you've ever – gone to the top of a mountain and shut off your engine and coasted for miles and miles you know i did it recently i did the cannonball and when we got to the top of glacier national park summit going to sun road you know i shut off the engine on my breath superior and i went 26 miles coast wow <laughs> you know and riding an electric bike is not that much different it's like it's quiet and sometimes that's really nice when you know the first time that i was uh at the bonneville salt flats and they came out with an electric bike of course i was i was a skeptic and i sat there going yeah well, what is this really going to do and when that thing took off from the line and i saw how quickly the yeah. torque from that motor picked up and propelled that motorcycle i was i was curious i'm 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 actually i'm actually interested in getting on one of these things and, and especially the dirt bike versions yeah yeah they're tons of fun <clears throat> The sport bikes are amazing too now. It's incredible. I mean, I, I ran into at, at an art event this uh, very famous industrial designer named Eve Bahar. He's designed Coke bottles and like everything. You may not know him, but you've seen his products everywhere. And uh, back in 2007, 
uh, a guy who used to work for me is actually president of his design company. And uh, he started telling me, hey, man, we're making this electric sport bike. And I'm like, what? You guys make, you know, Coke bottles and condom machines. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're making an electric sport bike. You're going to love it. It's, it. It'll do 150 miles an hour. I'm like, you are crazy, man. No electric bike does that. And sure enough, it came out. It was the Mission 1. They took it out yeah. to Bonneville. They did 150 miles with it. And it was really intriguing looking. And actually, we've got that bike on display at my Peterson Museum exhibition right now, Custom Revolution. Anyway, I happened to see Eve last night, and I said, you know, what's going to happen with this bike? He says, it's going to go into the Museum of Modern Art. As soon as your exhibit, exhibit is done, it's going into the design wing. I'm like, well, there we go. It's a new world. You know? Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's super cool. But uh, I think what we're witnessing now, and I should make it clear to everybody that I don't even own an electric motorcycle. I got 13 <laughs> gas burners in my garage. I mostly collect old racing bikes, Velocets, Norton, Sunbeams, Bruffs, stuff like that. <clears throat> uh, but, um, you know, I, it, what's happening now, I think, is like what it must have been. What it must have been like in 1900, when there were 300 motorcycle manufacturers that just sprung out of nowhere with radically different designs. Everybody's like jostling. It's no way clear where things are going to go. And we're seeing that with the electric industry. I mean, every week there's at least one new manufacturer coming out. It's, it's incredible. I've never seen it like this. It is. Yeah. It's it's insane, and when when I saw some of the comments, you know, when they put up the price of the live wire, I said, you know, I'm sure back in 1903, people said a motorized bicycle. Are you crazy for that price? You know, <laughs> um, and so you know, I, I feel very much the same way. So I, f I feel really validated right now, Paul. I like having you on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to validate you. <laughs> well, unless yeah, I. I I mean, I had a very interesting experience a year ago. I went to Shanghai on very short notice, long story. But, um, you know, they, the Chinese have banned all small capacity gasoline-powered engines from the center of almost every city. So they have three million electric scooters on the roads in China right now. And it's now. for they, pollution purposes, right? It's for emissions purposes, right? Exactly, because their air yeah. quality has gotten so bad. Uh, there's still major issues around how people produce the electricity that these things run on because yeah, that's Chinese a whole nother conversation. Yeah. yeah, Chinese burn really dirty coal and it really screws up their air quality. But in the immediate sense of just walking around on the street, it's amazing. There are tens of thousands of these things buzzing around and it's completely quiet and there's no stink from a two stroke. I mean, if you go to, you know, if you go to Ho Chi Minh City or, or Bangkok, you know, there's 10 billion buzzing two strings and it's off <laughs> you know there's a there's there's conversation starting to happen too with uh with the actual processes that are involved in how they're how they're mining the materials to make the batteries and everything too and i think i think there's still like there's there's so many people that are jumping on and, and want to take the pro or con approach to all this it's going to have to be some some longer conversations until we figure out what it actually looks like yeah, and there's no guarantee that even this will be the future of motorcycle. But uh, it sure looks that way right now. I mean, there are billions of dollars being thrown at 
producing some very interesting motorcycles that are a lot of fun to ride. And yeah, like you say, in 1905, a motorcycle costs twice as much as a car, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you know, it took until about 1925 for the Model T to get cheaper than a motorcycle, than a Harley Davidson. So, uh, you know, and that was a major turning point. And we could see the same thing in the future. Who knows, you know, with electric bikes. But they're here to stay, I mean, for sure. They've been around since, I don't know, I've been doing research on electric motorcycle history. And the first patent was filed for an electric motorcycle in 1869. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. The first electric trike was 1881. And the first electric bicycles I found are, are kind of, one of you motorized electrical powered bicycles. They were actually uh, pacers for cycle racing. Those were like, 1894 or five so pretty much right on par with the development of the motorcycle the electric bike was right there but once they figured out how to properly burn uh, uh gasoline you know there was just quantum, yeah there was a quantum leap in power production that to be quite honest a, a electrical powered motorcycle couldn't equal until like the 80s you know or yeah. even the 90s when we started to see lithium ion <laughs> batteries and nickel cadmium batteries that's when we all had portable cordless drills then people started taking the batteries out of their cordless drills and making motorcycles out of them <laughs> oh wow <laughs> well now your uh your 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 library of information for for lack of a better way to say it is is amazing it's a it's great to have a chance to communicate with you on this stuff and hear somebody throw up these statistics and numbers and and give us more depth to to our conversation but let's talk about how this all comes together with the vinegent and i have an actual screenshot that i'm bringing up of that now and and where this got started and what this what this is all about you know it started as a blog uh in 2006 uh i just had a ton of pictures and the blog had just kind of the blog format had just started with google and uh I just said, what the heck, you know, I, I'd known this term, the vintagent, it's an old term from England of somebody who's into old cars and motorcycles, and it dates probably from the 1940s, and I love the term, and uh, so I chose that as the name, and kind of kept at it. I, I, when, when it started to get a little bit of traction, I sort of set myself a challenge of posting a story three times a week. And that's when things really started to take off, and I was getting you know close to a million uh, views a year on the website. And uh, about uh, two years ago, <clears throat> I started talking with uh, a, a, a guy who does web development, who does pro bono work occasionally. And God bless him, his name's Sasha Cherevkov, and <laughs> he's in New York City. And he said, you know what, I'm going to build you a new website, because uh, I really wanted to do... Uh, be able to host films mm -hmm. and just cleaner look. So, uh, because I uh, helped start a motorcycle film festival in New York City uh, about six years ago. Oh, no kidding. And uh, so that kind of fell apart. So, <clears throat> took the woman who actually founded that, Karina Mantlow, and I said, Hey, why don't you become film editor on the Vintagent and we'll feature a new film every week and it'll become kind of an archive of motorcycle films and we'll check out the uh we'll discuss doing another film festival later so that's why there's a bunch of film and i hired someone dedicated to cover uh the electric motorcycle scene 
And uh, we basically get contributions from all over the world. We've got contributors in Indonesia and India and Japan and, you know, all over Europe. And so we're truly trying to cover the motorcycle scene, everything else, everything that the normal motorcycle press doesn't cover, mm-hmm. which is vintage bikes, electric bikes, scenes that are not really obvious, like, hello, the Indian cafe racer scene. <laughs> yeah. And the hot- scooter scene you know there's just so much stuff out there that doesn't get covered by the mainstream press and i know because i worked at cycle world for years and so i i know what they cover i know what the mainstream press is interested in and what their advertisers are interested in but you know there's so many interesting stories in that aren't being talked about in at least american media absolutely are are you still working with cycle world Oh, yeah, sure. I talked with Mark Hoyer, the editor, just a few minutes ago about uh, okay. next stories for the coming year. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, I contribute. You know, they've gone to a quarterly format, so you don't see me that often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll, but Those I'll pre- do- pages are precious, I'm sure. Exactly. And plus, you know, I've, I wrote a book last year. I'm writing a book right now, another book, so – I got a lot on my plan. I'm doing these museum exhibits at the Peterson Museum, and so which I, I have to say, I got I got to see the exhibit last year right after it opened, and it is uh, it is stunning. Um, yeah. Just from just purely like when you walk up to it and you see it, it gives you goosebumps because of the presentation. It's not like any other motorcycle exhibit that I've seen. And I've seen a lot because I helped, uh, Michael Lichter with the Sturgis exhibit for years and years and years. So really familiar with, with that format. And so to see, you know, the kind of energy and creativity that went into presenting those motorcycles, Mm -hmm. um, was it's it's just phenomenal. And then the examples that you have there are so unique and they're so, you know, there were very few bikes that I'd saw there that I was like, oh, I know this bike. You know, I mean, out of how many bikes are there there, there right now? We had 25 bikes. Yeah, there's 22 on display right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so out of that, there were like, you know, four or five maybe that I had known. And I, I, I consider myself, you know, a little bit of a motorcycle connoisseur. So I'm like, how do I not know about these bikes, you know? So it's really, it's a really exceptional exhibit. I really look forward to seeing the electric one in May. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a real mind blower. That will be the first. So Custom Revolution was the first museum exhibit of, let's say, the new or alternative custom scene that's really sprung up since about 2006. And Electric Revolution will be the first all-electric motorcycle exhibit, period. There hasn't been a weekend show. There hasn't been anything like this about uh, uh, electric bikes. So to have a full-on museum show with bikes from all over the world is going to be pretty exciting. And we've got really eccentric stuff. (laughs) You're going to dig it. Nice. I I would expect nothing less. (laughs) I would be very disappointed if it wasn't completely eccentric. So, Well, and I'll I'll tell you what, too – Please keep us on your editor's list because any of this information that you have, un- unlike most American motorcycle mainstream media, we we post about as much of this as we can. So both in the magazine and on Shop Talk, I want I want to know when stuff like that's going on because, like I said, the conversation, adding depth to the conversation is what's going to make this all start to make sense. So please keep us on your editor's list. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, like I say, it's an exciting year because. Uh, you know, with the with electric revolution, we're actually kind of 
All right. So I co-founded a, a nonprofit organization called the Motorcycle Arts Foundation, which is basically the sponsoring organization for these two Peterson Museum exhibits. We're also working on a documentary right now for the 50th anniversary of Easy Rider. Uh, I kind of broke the story in print that, uh, you know, a couple of black guys from Watts actually built the Easy Rider choppers. Nope. And I, that was 2009. And I started to dig deeper and got to know Cliff Boss, who was the associate producer on Easy Rider at first. And you know, had a pretty credible argument that he came up with a name and used his life story as the structure of the movie and uh, designed and built the bikes. And, you know, I was able to get tons of verification. And, uh, you know, I've even requested his 450-page FBI file. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very interesting man. He worked, uh, you know, he marched with Martin Luther King at Selma Bridge in Alabama. You know, he did. Fantastic documentaries on black power in the early 60s and very interesting guy filmmaker and uh so anyway uh it's the 50th anniversary of easy rider so we're trying to uh, get together a, a documentary on his life and his story which is pretty fascinating and and nobody really knows that much about him even though he was written about quite a bit in the 60s well i would love to follow up on that when you guys when you guys get closer please let us know yeah for sure that's great yeah, I put some articles on the Vintage a while back, and I did an interview with NPR a couple of years ago about the story and uh, when the Captain America bike or a Captain America bike was being sold. Uh, that was for all, the whole Grizzly Adams fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, one of two he certified as being the only one. <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. That that dude's story right there. There's there's a documentary. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that you know that's a good suggestion. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty interesting story. You know, that bike went to uh I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm pretty sure that bike went to Paul Allen of Microsoft. Wow, really? Rest wow. in peace. Because uh, a really good friend of mine in San Francisco basically creates all the fine art for the West Coast, right? He works with all the museums. And one day he says, "Paul, I just made a crate for the Easy Rider bike. I think you know something about this. I said, oh, yeah, where's it going? He says, well, I can't tell you where, but it's going to Seattle. I said, well, who in Seattle has a million dollars to spend on a questionable chopper? <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it, questionable. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just said that's a nice way of putting it, questionable. <laughs> Well, you know, not to throw stones. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I think that's that's part of it. That's part of it all. Yeah. yeah. But I did uh, – one of the guys who helped build the Easy Rider Choppers, his name was Larry Marcus, uh, who unfortunately passed uh, earlier this year, uh, said about the whole Grizzly Adams thing. He says, you know, Paul, I've always thought never trust a user. You know, we were all junkies back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> You just have to be careful what they say. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, he had his own. Those stories are actually all in my my book, uh, The Chopper: The Real Story, which is where I. Okay, I need this book. Yeah, uh, you do need that. I book. need this book. I have I, a library that I'm pretty proud of too. So I need this book. It's still available. I think nowadays you can get it on Amazon for like thirty five bucks, and uh, it's pretty amazing. It was with Gestalten again, and. Uh, 
you know, I worked really hard. I was not a chopper historian, you know, but the, the publisher said no one's ever done like a proper history of the development of choppers. So as, as a historian, it was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to bite into this and see what I can find. And I knew the story about cut downs in the 1920s and Bob jobs in the 1930s and forties. But there was this big gray area. What happened in the, how did things change in the forties and fifties to get us to choppers? And so digging into that was fascinating. And I found out like several of the people I knew in the vintage bike scene were like major players in the chopper world in the sixties and the fifties. So, uh, you know, they helped me out a lot with information and photographs, and I think the book came out really, the text is solid, you know, I think my info is pretty good. <laughs> you, know, you know, and in that, there's the great, there's the great irony, because you, you said that a lot of guys that are known for vintage now were the chopper guys then, and they then became the unchoppers. They started searching out how to, how to undo all of their chopping became the second stage of their career. It's the greatest thing. I always wanted to do a story about that. <laughs> you know we have a lot of your fans are coming in on uh, on social media and comment joe sparrow is here um hey, joe. <laughs> rob is here and says that um you know it was a paul allen drew woodford wanted to know the name of the book again and it was choppers the real story and I the chopper the, the chopper the real story. the chopper the real story yeah, um Rob Lations, uh, I learn something new and interesting every time. Paul is a wealth of knowledge, so cool. So a lot, lot of people chiming in here. They're excited that we have you on tonight. Awesome. So, so, so I have a bit of a book fetish, Paul. Um, I want to ask you about yeah. a book that I heard is going to start to be republished. Yeah. Um, and it's a book on board track racing. Um, I can't remember who the public, but it's kind of like a coffee table book. I've got the the car version of it. The only ones that I saw for sale on eBay were like over, I think they were five or $600. Do you know anything about that? And it's going to be republished. I have a, I have yeah. a few books on board track racing, but, and I have the car version that you're talking about that documents every single board track in the country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. And I think there's a motorcycle one that's like, you know, it's got like an era. It's like, you know, the late 1800s to 1940 something. And um, it's a, it, I actually borrowed it from a, a library one time. I thought about stealing it, but I just didn't. <laughs> um, and you know I just, and I haven't I seen it. I don't have that book. I don't. I've heard about it too. It's very hard okay. to find. Yeah, okay. Okay, I heard somebody was going to republish it. I heard somebody got the publishing rights for it. Maybe Don MD. I think that's who oh. it was. Oh, you know what? I did. I talked with Don about that. You're right. He said he was going to be doing a, a board track book, but I didn't realize it was one that had already been published. Yeah, I, I think I he got the rights for it. So, yeah, anyway, I'll follow. I th- Sorry, I was just thinking out loud, and you just solved my problem. My, uh, my yeah, no, I remember talking with Don about that. Yeah, he does. Uh, Don, uh, of course, won Daytona, and he wrote a great book about the Daytona 200 races, and uh, really great guy, great writer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just cool. had what? just had the privilege to uh, to be with Don at the, um, at the launch of Metzler's new uh, cruise tech tire. He yeah. he flew in late and it was it was awesome. Like there we are having dinner and I turn and Don MD is sitting with us. I was like, wow, <laughs> far out. Because <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I'm I'm still a child when it comes to stuff like this. I'm still so, you know, I'm I'm a motorcycle nerd through and through. <laughs> and you're right, you got the right job. <laughs> That's it. 
Hey, Heather, do we have any um, social media interaction that we need to know about? Uh, Chris covered a lot of it. Actually, Chris Summer Simmons just chimed in. She says, hi, Paul. Hey, Chris. Um, Chris rides with us on the, uh, or I ride with her on the motorcycle on the cannonball. cannonball. Yes. Um, yeah. Let's see. I did post a link to the Chopper, the real story. However, while you were talking, I ordered the last copy on Amazon. Oh. <laughs> That's my wife. I love That's you, baby. Awesome. Right. Now, there's there's actually many different uh, vendors selling it, and you can still get it from Gestalten, although I think they are really close to selling out. They only printed 5,000, and the last time I checked, which was two months ago, they had sold 4,638. So not many left. Well, that's great. So our copy will be here by the 22nd. I, well, I, good. Did, I did make that purchase while we were talking. And by the next time we uh, we get a chance to run into you, maybe about the, about the, uh, the next documentary, <laughs> I'll have a full knowledge of this book, and we can keep the conversation going. Oh, that'd be fantastic, yeah. Yeah, my next book is for motor books, actually. Uh, I did a book. Uh, you were talking about uh, Michael Lichter. I did two, two shows with uh, Michael Lichter, too. We did a co-curated. Uh, one was called Ton Up. It yep. was a uh, cafe racer exhibit. And then I did the next year, which was Built for Speed. And But the Ton Up actually became a book for motor books. And they, we used Michael's photographs from the show and my text and that led to a pretty good relationship with motor books, and the book sold quite a few copies and was reprinted in French and German. And um, so now I'm doing a, a a similar book, but it's about I call the cafe racer syndrome, like a subculture that actually existed from the first time you put a motor on wheels, because there's a certain kind of rider that gets a look in their eye about going fast. Yep. <laughs> People that, you know, when they bought an Indian in 1910, they dropped the handlebars or they put racing handlebars on it, or when they bought a bike in 1925, they dropped the handlebars down. And you can just, you can always tell that kind of bike. And later on, it wasn't until the 50s that they were known as cafe racers. And now we throw the term around a lot. Yeah. It's anything with clip-ons or drop bars, you know, basically. Uh, but people people haven't quite got that, you know, this is this is the whole story of motorcycling. They're deep thread of cafe racer style. And so this book discusses a fantastic never built in the teens and in the 20s and in the 30s for – there were road bikes, but there were cafe racers. Where these people hung out, you know, I found out there was like a cafe racer hangout with cut downs in 1926 in Santa Barbara, like pictures of the restaurant and the bikes. It's like really, really cool. So it's fun to have this story, this book that's going to show the whole arc around the world, every country, Australia, France, many states. Pretty, pretty. I'm super excited about it because I've been collecting photographs as well as books for years. It's nice to be able to use a lot of photographs. We're oh. never published, you know. And you know yeah. the, that that's one of the things. Like as 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 a member of the motorcycle media, that's one of the things I have to say is, regardless of how great all this new technology is, the social and how quick everything travels, and how we have access to so much stuff, and even as a photographer. You, you can make sure that you're always getting the shot. It's right there in front of you. But one of the things that we've lost is the B-roll. 
you know, and somebody in your position has to appreciate that more than almost anyone. The B-roll is where some of our greatest imagery ever came from. Yeah. Yeah, it's really true. I mean, there's the story that was interesting in the moment, <laughs> and then there's the story that is interesting over time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny, as a researcher, people – I know a lot of archivists who, like, collect hundreds of thousands of images or books or whatever. And uh, the narrative has usually been in their head about the factories, like – What's the factory product? I want to, I want all the shots of every Triumph from the factory ever made. Well, what about all the bikes that people modified, you know, in those same years? You know, yeah. that's a whole other parallel story. And it's almost like the people's story of motorcycling as opposed to the factory story of motorcycling, yeah. which is mm. a very different story. And I really got interested in that with this whole rise of the new custom scene that happened started happening in 2006 when the motorcycle industry was dying you know it's still not that healthy but 2010 when when bike thief was getting really popular and people were starting to build like cool new custom motorcycles in their sheds and a whole new wave of builders and enthusiasts cropped up the the factories were completely explicit about how they stole ideas from these new custom builders you know like the Ducati Scrambler, hey man, that bike could not have existed without Bike XZ. The BMW R9T, the Triumph Thruxton, you know, all these new factory models, which are the most popular models in every one of those factories, yep. all of their lineups, were all poached from this new generation of builders. Amen. And so I started to think about, you know, well, what has been the relationship between independent builders and riders and the factories? You know, sometimes the factories were leading the industry, but sometimes they weren't, you know, and right now is a period when they're not leading the industry. Like other things are leading the industry, other forces that they don't seem to really have a great grasp on. And mm-hmm. you asked about Harley Davidson. It's like, you know, they're struggling because the people who are really invested in the the Harley mystique are getting older and the younger people are not that interested in the numbers that they were. And so they're looking at a future where they have to adapt, you know, and uh, uh, so they're going to have to appeal to a new generation of riders and people with different ideas. So they're investing in this electric thing because they feel like they have to. I don't think they feel like they want to, but mm-hmm. they have because the industry is moving in a direction and they have to move too or they're going to become you know the next Kodak or Polaroid you know those were yeah. both enormous companies huge companies yeah. yep biggest photography companies in the world and guess what the digital camera comes out comes out and within 5 years they're bankrupt you know so yeah I think it's really critical now that the Existing OEM manufacturers have to start looking at the future. And I don't mean, you know, the next double overhead cam five valve V twin. <laughs> like we've got to be looking at women riders and techies and what if bikes are banned in certain you know, internal combustion bikes are banned in certain companies. China's got three million electric bikes on the road. Why aren't we selling bikes to the Chinese? You know, it's like uh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it, it begs the question. Go ahead, Chris. No, no, please. 
it begs the question about, you know, if they really are looking 10, 10 years down the road, they should be building small displacement motorcycles for kids because those are going to be their consumers in 10 years. Um, and Chris and Heather and I have had this conversation over and over again. If they had been doing that 10 years ago we wouldn't be um, and really looking at the future of motorcycling, um, we might have a very different landscape. But the other piece that I think that you brought up that's really interesting is if you look at all the designs for like, let's just take Harley Davidson since we've been talking about them that they've come up with the live wire is the most truly unique and unique design that they didn't pilfer from some some other design right it is a it, it's a truly unique bike um and that's really unusual and i don't think a lot of people have seen that you know i mean you can say that the v-rod was or you know there were a, a few other iterations you know of motorcycles i'm, I'm sorry that, listen it, i'll step in on the v-rod thing real quick because anyone <laughs> anyone who remembers the v-max will will tell you that exactly, that's absolutely yeah. not exactly. true that that was unique. totally well and you look at the fxdr right and that is a dumbed down version of an arch motorcycle in terms of the design of it. Like it is, it looks like an arch motorcycle, but it's, you know, $40,000 less. But you're right. I, th I think they deserve, they deserve respect for the fact that the, the live wire is a, is a unique design. I think it is. I do. Well, I, I actually, when the live wire was first released, I had a chance to actually talk with their design team and, uh, you know, like many other people, they were expecting battery technology to move faster than it did. They made a gamble that within the two-year stretch of them starting to develop this, pro this the live wire, that batteries would have improved enough to offer it as a you know, viable road machine. And that didn't happen. So it was a very interesting story. I mean, they... The same team that developed all their bikes developed the styling and everything, and I thought they did a terrific job. It is a unique bike, and it retains the Harley-Davidson brand feel. You know, It looks and feels like a Harley, even though it doesn't have a V-twin motor. But um, they decided to, since they couldn't sell them with the amount of range that the bikes had, uh, they just decided to take those 20 prototypes they had made and put them on tour and let people experiment or experience what it was like to get on a bike, which I thought was actually a really good decision. And so to have them like, okay, we're going to go ahead and release an improved version of the live wire now, I guess what would have been the second model, uh, I think it's terrific. And yeah, it's expensive. But Harleys are expensive. <laughs> well, yeah. and you know what, man? This this brings up a point, though. This brings up a point that we have to talk about because I preach this this standard line all the time that Harley Davidson went from always, you know, focusing on the the baby boomer generation, and now they've went straight over to the millennials. In the middle, even though they're less by number, there's an entire population of Gen X and Y, and we are much more readily accessible for harley davidson's platform as it stands now than the outreach work that they're doing so great the outreach has to come the technology the advancements that has to come but who's paying attention to reinvigorating the core in the present yeah because I, I believe that's it's substantial yeah i think i think you're right uh and i think the point about young people too is huge <laughs> i mean uh harley davidson back in you know uh, 1960 took a 50% stake in Air Maki, you know, and that's when they had tons of 
fascinating little two strokes and four strokes that they sold that were 250, 125, you know, 350 that were targeted at beginning riders. And uh, they were very successful. And they actually, by the way, won their only World Grand Prix championships with those Armakis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and who who can forget images of Rocket Rex Stanton and and Marty Sipes on the MX two fifties? That was when I was a kid, man. That was the Harley that I wanted. I wanted that bike. Exactly. So I find it curious that yeah, they have kind of the electric mini bike and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be still a bit expensive, but uh, I think with the electric mountain bike and stuff or sketches that they showed, they're thinking in that direction. You know, so the live wire is going to be the, at the top. It's going to be the range leader. If they follow through with this uh, uh, sort of full range from electric bicycle to live wire, uh, new, you know, array of models, I think they could really have something. I think it could be if they can get them out, you know, if they're selling them at Walmart or whatever, Costco, <laughs> these electric bikes, I think Harley-Davidson has a future. Uh, really, I think it's that that important, you know, mm-hmm. because they're not that big a company. If you look at the if you look at the worldwide motorcycle industry, they sell 250,000 bikes a year approximately. You know, the smallest company in India, which is Royal Enfield, sells 800,000 motorcycles a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're bigger than Harley Davidson, BMW, Moto Guzzi, and Triumph, and KTM and Ducati. combined. <laughs> but combined. So, yeah. well, here's obviously a huge potential market out there that Harley Davidson and other countries, you know, Triumph or BMW, you know, they really have to figure out how to get in there. Here's a, here's an interesting comment, and we've talked about this before coming in from social media from Rich Petoniak. HD should have put the <clears throat> V-Rod engine in all their touring bikes years ago, 130 horse, liquid-cooled and fast, reliable. HD should not have dropped the V-Rod engine. The only problem with that, and I'm the, I was the person, remember this, in 62 hours on a bet with Paul James, I took the V-Rod muscle from coast to coast when it first came wow. out, wow. which was awesome. I couldn't walk right for a minute, but the one thing the one thing I learned about that is if you put that bike into a touring chassis, because I had a ton of gear with me, right. I don't think that the motor configuration and the torque delivery was at a point where it could handle a touring chassis, and I think that's why they never did it. Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember the torque figure on the <clears throat> rod at one, but I, I reckon it would be higher than. And like a traditional V-twin, even the CVO four-valve models, you know, the torque curve would be higher than a big thumping uh, traditional pushrod bike. Yeah, they were. It was. It was a high rev just in its just in its stock trim. It was a high rev on pullout. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I've ridden a few V-rods. I actually I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, I like the power curve on them. <laughs> yeah, they're. I mean, 110 all day. <laughs> What's that? I said it was 110 all day. I mean, they go. I, I was a fan. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, actually pretty resistant to the Harley Davidson mystique for many years because I had a, a traumatic experience when I was young. Some patch club guys broke into my house and uh, robbed my sister and brother at gunpoint. And oh. stopped. I grew up in Stockton in the 60s. <clears throat> wow was the murder capital of the USA, you know, and the patch club guys were freaking scary. 
Yeah. And uh, that experience really kind of turned me off of Harley Davidsons, actually. And I just got into old British and German bikes. But, uh, you know, as I sort of later got into antique bikes more and I started to ride some older Harleys and stuff. And they're awesome, you know. It's like I got to ride a 36 knucklehead over the Rockies a few years ago on the Cannonball. It was brilliant. <laughs> right on. So, uh you know, I'm not throwing stones at the bar and shield by any means. I, you know, I'd like to see them prosper for sure. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know we've taken up a lot of your time. We really appreciate, you know, you've been on for 45 minutes now, so we really appreciate you coming on. We hope we can just keep keep in touch with you and you let us know kind of what's going on on your end with the Vintagent. Um, we frequently kind of post your news stories and stuff up here um, weekly, um, but it's it's been great having you on definitely <coughs> in an educational process, so we really appreciate you taking the time and coming on with us. Cool. Maybe we can run a camera around Electric Revolution after it opens. That'd be fun. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I would love if we could do that, please. Yeah. I would love if we could. Well, we will be out there in May because we're going to be doing the Why We Ride to the Quail, which, oh, you know, fantastic. if you have anything going on, Paul, it's a really <laughs> I, fun ride. Well, you know, so I am, I've emceed the Quail for 10 years, so I'm usually yeah. a little bit busy, like, on the run-up. but Yeah, actually, for sure. This year, we're, uh, it's the 100th anniversary of Bruff Superior this year, so we're going to have, like, a pretty big lineup of Bruffs at the Quail. Right. So, well, we'll, we'll, def- we'll definitely there. shake hands when we see you at uh, yeah. at the Quail. For sure. Great. Well, thank so, you so much. Thanks for being here. And uh, and please, please stay in touch with us. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to meet you guys. Take care. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. That was great. That was a great that, talk. That's a lot of fun. Yes, what sir. What an amazing I knew it was, was going to be a good time. Right. I, I sent you a bunch of pictures um, of the Peterson, not that you're going to be able to put it up now, um, but we'll try to get some pictures up of the Peterson exhibit. It was a an article that I had uh, started to write, but it never got in. So I'll uh, we'll get the images up for sure on social media so people can see it because it is an impressive impressive exhibit for sure. Well, and this is uh, what we'll do. I'll make the the commitment to this that after the show comes off the air, we'll put together a photo gallery of that, and I'll launch it on all of our social media so you guys can check okay. out the the Peterson deal. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. He's such a wealth of knowledge, you know? Oh, it's, my God. It's so fun to and hear, fun especially too. about the electric motorcycles and everything and all the history. That's so great. And fun, too. You know, like the, the one thing that you think when you sit there and you're like, okay, motorcycle historian, like this can go one of two ways. Like this guy's oh, either going to re- – it's going to be a lot of fun or it's going to be dry like wallpaper paste. Exactly. He's going to have a smoking jacket on <laughs> and be – well, um, yeah, no, no he, not at all. he was, was fun. So, so great. He was fun. So, um, some comments coming in, um, super interesting. Listen to Paul from Mike Yorko. Um, Ken Sobecki said 70 pounds, 72 pounds foot at will for V run. I guess mostly what I was trying to say was the amount of torque versus, delivery as it was pulling out like, they were they like were, the spin up yeah, yeah it was super to hard it. to pull out with those just in just yeah. in its stock trim like if you packed a bunch of touring equipment onto that it would have definitely been harder um yeah. kevin teach bass awesome interview chris summer simmons see you in vegas paul rick on facebook this is exactly why i tune in well thank you dude this is uh yeah. this, this is, is why we do it absolutely 
Absolutely. Great conversation. Um, real quick, before we get back into our, our regular program format, we have some uh, we have some tech stuff that I want to get into. We're currently back in the garage for the winter. We're building a new bike for the good folks at Samuel Adams who have their brand, the, the uh, Twisted T brand. And for two years in a row, we've done a motorcycle for their their sweepstakes that they gave away. We're delivering the, the last one next week, like Heather told you. And the next one coming up is in process. So here we are. I'm going to give you guys a little insight on what's going on with that. Here we go again. This is Chris and Mark. Greasing Gears Garage. More presently, <laughs> flat chops abroad. We're tearing apart another sad stock ass motorcycle. <coughs> Um, those aren't stock wheels. Tune in <clears throat> to a yeah. slurry. So oh, remember episodes. those wheels? Yeah, so ugly. Yeah. So right? <laughs> Until we make this thing into a, a cholo for Savannah Rose. It almost is going to be a Vicla. But in the meantime, oh. I figured while oh, we. Billy. Right? Silly Billy. Oh, Billy. Silly Billy. Okay, so. Here we are, what, and poof, later? just like that, it's a cool soft tail. Successfully <laughs> completed another episode of this old soft tail. <laughs> this torn apart soft tail. And uh, we've stripped a suitable amount of the ugly off of it. And also found out that there's uh, a motorcycle under all that. <laughs> First off, from here we're waiting for an ignition module to come in because gotta run. The ignition on this one was toast, and we want to hook it up to a bladder. And oh, you said bladder. I bladder. Got oh, boy. I got peak. We just talked about getting older. Here we go. Bladder. And uh, What a couple it. of dicks. Then we can get the motor out of it, get the tranny out of it, strip the frame apart. We're going to probably do a light rake to the front of this, get a um, couple over tubes. We want to turn this into a heritage-style front end um, with the nacelle and everything. Um, Dirty Bird Customs makes a a uh, swing arm kit called the the Dirty Tail. I think we're going to try to retrofit one of those because those are for two thousand one off. The other and dirty. <laughs> I reckon I like your dirty tail. Mm -hmm. You guys really are five year olds. <laughs> I reckon I like your dirty tail too. Well, we're going to make a cholo tail. So <laughs> it's going to be a cholo tail. It's going to be the cholo tail. So we got uh, seven weeks till Daytona. The painter is warming up his gun. <laughs> Stick around, we'll be back with you a little bit. Peace. So yeah, there's the uh, the plan is to make the the uh, twisted T Cholo bike. We have we actually have a lot more going on than it looks like in in that video, but <laughs> for dramatic effect. Billy just commented, I'm nervous. Don't be nervous. No, Come I'm on. just kidding. I'm totally kidding. You didn't, you didn't. No, but Savannah Rose says, yes, she's excited because she said of the Twisted T Vicla, I hope. So it is. What's that? What's, what's you happening don't have here? You your volume off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the Twisted T bike. That's the plan for that. And we have seven weeks till Daytona. And... <clears throat> Yeah, we're we're on track. So, let's take a a look at something new that we have here. Um, yeah. Do we have something new? Sure. We got a forty thousand dollar electric bike that actually came straight from the Vintage Inn. 
That's bike. a fun one. What's that? The bicycle. The news. Yeah, the forty thousand dollar electric bike. Bicycle. Yeah, that was actually when we had the uh, the Vinogent up. That was on their uh, on their homepage. Yeah, that's was, where I got it from. Was the Novus. Yep. And um, anybody who was complaining about the $30,000 price tag on the uh, on the live wire, the Novus comes in at a stealth 40. And it's got less range, and it doesn't go as fast. What is the range? I think it's 80 miles or something, 70 or 80 miles. And, um, yeah, I, I don't have it up right now, so I can't look at it. Um, but people should go check out the vintage and, and go look at the amazing um, content that he's got. Um, there's some there's some really fun stuff there, and he's kind of got all things electric on there. So if you get a chance, go check him out. Yeah, that's that show is going to be interesting, man. That really is. Yeah. I hope I hope he does that. I hope he brings in the the feed for us and and takes us on a little tour because he really uh, he really has an eye and puts together a nice program. Oh yeah. For sure. So let's. Uh, this is a little something we tried to get started last week, but I think we have the wherewithal to go for it this week. Into the mailroom. So from time to time at Cycle Source Magazine headquarters here, we do get letters in, and I figured one of the best ways that we can deal with that is to just bring them right here on the show and uh, and tell you that it matters. When you take the time to write, we'll take the time to read them. So this in from Mike Swanberg. Chris, thanks for taking the time to say hello to me and my wife, Terry, yesterday at the Motoblot Show in Chicago. Been a big fan of your magazine and what you and Chris do for the vets. Other than taking the time off when our kids were young, I've been riding motorcycles since I was 18 years old. Love the sport and the culture. Your magazine inspired me to buy a 1971 FLH last year. I'm currently putting it back to its stock configuration and have attached a photo. I love riding and working on it. The two seem to go hand in hand with shovel heads. I also have a 2012 Ultra Classic that I used to travel with my wife and friends. So far, I've racked up over 62,000 miles and have hit all but 14 of the lower 48 states. Eventually, I'll get to all of the lower 48. I'd love the opportunity to buy you dinner and a beer if you have the time when you're in the neighborhood the next time. And this motorcycle right here is what my man is talking about. And I would love to put this in our magazine. The uh, the event that he speaks of, Ken Motoblot, I don't know if you've ever been or if you remember us talking about it last year. Yes. Motoblot filled my heart with the belief that there's still people that do this shit because they love doing it. So, mm-hmm. Awesome. I got to check it out. Yeah. Can we show him some of the framed letters to the editor that we got? <laughs> That's not nice. I don't have any ready. Or I, wait, I do. Hang on. So, so every now and then we'll get a letter in the mail that I will bring to Chris with a pair of kitchen tongs because I don't actually want to touch it because <laughs> it's usually like in crayon and so painters. I'm, I'm tape. not going to let you see this person's name, and I'm not going to hold this close enough that you'll actually be able to read any comments. But you can see he's taking the time to cut things out of the magazine and then right beside them and it's uh it's a keeper so i framed it just in case something ever happens to me there's actual evidence of where it might have all went wrong 
I'm sure it's all complimentary, right? He's oh, talking about how great the magazine oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. He loves the magazine and he loves me, but he wants to kill a lot of other people. So interesting yeah, it's far out dude but, it's far out but then at the same time it will be a picture of chris <laughs> so on to the next letter <laughs> this from eric oulet new brunswick Ouellette. canada oulet i've been a subscriber i've been subscribed with you guys for a couple years now and i will be for as long as you guys keep doing such a great job i read every single article that you do at the start of the mag had such a great time at the laconia roadhouse and the best part was seeing that twisted t-chop doing the slow ride here's a pic when we met that was dude doing bike games on a chopper i love i love doing that because it blows people's minds to see to see long bikes and that day in particular that was that was the beginning of the hashtag two chicks one weenie but Two that's, girls one night, yeah. That's that's a that's a whole nother story. So that Eric, was, Eric, thanks for your letter, man. That day was two choppers slow racing with passengers. Yep. Yep. Ooh, Drew Woodford says I've got a two owner all original seventy nine FLH if anyone's interested. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> Okay, so um, back to the last couple pieces of news we have. Um, Yamaha jumping in on the action of the smartphone motorcycle tuning apparatus. Uh, this is something that you guys will be familiar with from the V-Twin industry. A lot of people have been getting down on this. Um, now, ever since the addition of electronic fuel injection, light and fast computers, motorcycles have become faster and more reliable ever. Basically, from digital trends, they're announcing that the Yamaha four-stroke dirt bikes are now tunable through an app on your smartphone. <clears throat> Which begs the question, what the hell is going to happen someday if the computers decide we're too dumb to be here? Oh, there's some weird stuff that's happened with computers and, and artificial intelligence, like them actually coming up with ways to solve problems that are not like that are programmed into them what was somebody telling me about the two computers that they put together and start it started on a fuzzy knowledge and they started communicating to each other and like before they realized that these two computers had developed an entirely different language yeah totally and yep. they and, and it took off like crazy no really yeah and they shut it down and they yep. should they shut oh, them okay. both down unplugged both of them and like they're terrified because that's like a movie that's <laughs> yeah. like science fiction shit movie really happened no that yeah. shit really happened <laughs> oh yeah well do you guys know about the the robot that um that the Department of Defense made, and it um, survives on human flesh. What? Yeah, that's okay, how Okay, this is a bad yeah, idea. Right. Bi well, it, they say biomass is what they say, so no. it could eat grass, but it could also eat a person. <laughs> no. What yeah, is you go, wrong? Go Google that stuff. If you want to get creeped out, it's a, it's a great way to get creeped out. No, thank you. Okay, so <laughs> just just like we were talking about earlier, the uh, the Harley Davidson Livewire has been met with, at the very least, mixed reviews. Um, there's a uh, the Motley Fool, which we turn to for sometimes regular Lish. news and sometimes batshit crazy news, has a story up. No juice for Harley Davidson's turnaround. Livewire is a non-starter. Uh, investors who waited for years for an electric motorcycle that could change the company's trajectory will be disappointed. And Ken, you're so up. the thing that pisses me off about this. 
is that it's not based in any fact. Yes, it's based in a lot of people that are on social media in the general consensus from what we see, right, is that there's not a huge amount of interest in it. But we don't there, – There's. it's not based in any facts. It's not like, oh, we went to five Harley-Davidson dealerships and they said they haven't sold a single one. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I want to see before I start making any like judgments about whether it's a non-starter or not. Um, I want to see what the numbers are. And I think, you know, like like Paul just said, you know, I think they had to come out with something that was spectacular. Imagine if they came out – imagine if what they came out with – was that little like electric mini bike thing? I think right? the mini. Oh. I think the mini bike's bad as hell. Oh, for sure. But but imagine imagine this. Imagine if they would have came out with a bike that looked exactly like a Sportster but was electric. Exactly. Yeah, that would, would have been all over that too. I th- I think more people would have been disappointed with that because yeah, it, exactly. it, it would have been it would have been an abomination of a of a existing design, you know, and they exactly. would have taken exception to it for that reason, but. So, yeah, Motley Fool, you're a fool. Rich Petoniak, I think the live wire would do well if it was half the price. That's, I agree. That's part of our, our like, sentiments I'm not also. Lie, I want to ride it. <clears throat> I do. Oh, I don't I ever foresee myself buying one at $30,000 in a 110-mile range. But I want to ride it. Hey, Ken Sebecki says, I recall the prototype. Live wire reps were saying that the units were close to 80000 plus. Wow. Oh yeah, no the the prototypes. I'm sure to get those to where they were were way more than that. Yeah, I mean that that's and and you know honestly when I when I asked um, the Harley Davidson designers about the prototype compared to what it is, they said they do not share one single part in common. Yeah. <laughs> They said there's not even one part on the new production bikes that they have in common with the prototype. Carlos Amador has a comment here. Remember how cell phones were blowing up? Imagine a motor blowing up between your legs. Woo! And then they insert superlative. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be fun. But I'd I'd also like to believe that... uh, Really? Really? It's different. It's a different battery. Yeah. Troy Phillips, thanks a lot. He thinks it's going to be funny that we get to cover this quote-unquote mess not funny troy not funny at all what mess <laughs> just saying no it's not going to be funny it's going to be great it's, it's a new it's a awesome. new era of motorcycling i'm super excited about it <laughs> <laughs> we did that on purpose <laughs> uh, you know what it is though i mean hey there's something to talk about something is better than oh the the new colors this year are blue and green you know yep. like Whatever it's so, it is, it's and it wouldn't be about. blue and green. It would be like sea foam, emerald, and like <laughs> I will you say, know, whatever. As, you gotta stop. As much as we would like to ride one, there is no way on God's green earth we would ever give up our panhead. So it really doesn't huh. matter. It doesn't mean you wouldn't have both. Yeah. Hey, listen. Like I said, I'm excited about the little mini bike. I will have one of those for events. I will have one of those. You mark my words. That thing's yeah. badass. I like mini bikes though. We race them. Yeah, I mean, <gasps> we need six of those. If anyone from Harley Davidson is listening, <laughs> we have mini bike races. We need to race those mini bikes. Yeah, twenty twenty one or something. Right? They're coming out. Yeah, forever. Okay, yeah. so um, one more piece still in the news. One more piece. It's so good too. And this is riding a motorcycle improve metrics on focus and decrease stress biomarkers according to a new neurobiological study 
this in from Harley Davidson and a little accompanying video. Let's check this out. Oh, yeah. Okay. People anecdotally. I know there was more to it than that. Looks like it's loading, maybe. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, you've got so a little cute. motor there. Little there. Buffer is mo a motor. <laughs> that's pretty funny. So, the gist of it is they're saying that motorcycle riding is good for your mental health. Um, yeah. We've all known that for a very long time, and they just paid to have this study done. But um, we're not neurobiologists. Bio just saying, we probably um, could have saved them tens of thousands of dollars if they had just talked to anyone that rides a motorcycle. But they needed actual research, right? Which yeah. I don't buy anyway. And I'm sure that they didn't take into effect all the take into account all the people that crash or die on motorcycles. Because it doesn't have a positive effect on their neurological. <laughs> wow. I can't believe you're supposed to be the wow. good one. <laughs> I know. I know. But so you guys don't. I'm the one that comes up more or less with the news every week. And when I go through my motorcycle news, like looking around, you know what most of it is? So-and-so died. I know. Fatal wreck on a motorcycle. Dude, that's, like, the that's the worst thing. That's all it is, That's dude. the worst thing. When I, because in, I, yes. I, have, I have all these Google notifications and everything for yeah. motorcycle. Anything hits the news ticker, it comes to my desk. And yeah. that's the worst thing is like the, there's just a nonstop parade of those reports. But the piece that I like about that is that it is a reminder. And I know you as well as – you know, myself are the most defensive motorcycle and aggressive motorcycle riders that you can possibly be. Uh -huh. Like I am always going faster than traffic. I'm always like heads on a swivel, making sure that I know what's going on because it's dangerous. Like for sure. You know, you and I have both been in wrecks, you know, like total idiot wrecks, somebody else's fault. Um, and yeah, I don't want to do that again. Ashley Woodford wants a race on mini bikes if we get them. Of course um, she can. AMF hardly made golf carts. Maybe this time they make dishwashers and riding lawnmowers. Mm. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. Oh, now. I see uh, Rich Petoniak wants mini bike races in Laconia this year. Yep. Well, we're going to be at Get Gettysburg. There's going to be some mini bike racing going on for sure. And right here, exclusive. Uh, they just uh, announced their Saturday night band. Can I get a drum roll, please? <laughs> Queensryche. No kidding. Yeah. Which Queensryche? So, the current version of Queensryche. Didn't it split off to two? Like one was the band and one was Jeff Tate. Yeah. Okay. I don't know which one it is. But had, it's, it's gonna rock. It's Queensryche. I have to yeah, say, yeah, it's Queensryche. They've got like eighty thousand albums. Um. So that's that's the one that's that's touring, um, and it's uh, it looks like it's going to be fun. They're going to be rocking for to sure. Gettysburg. I like that little, that rally. It's I fun. actually like the riding out there. The riding's beautiful. Oh, absolutely, it's amazing. I got some great pictures of you guys last year riding. Yeah, that's fun to the sunset. So there's tons of cool stuff that we're doing this year, and the longer I know Ken, the more he exposes me to to uh, things that I wouldn't normally end up on 
at myself. One of those things is the uh, is the realities run. <laughs> well, you haven't exposed. You made, you made it sound. You made it sound like it was some like weird, dirty uh, Uncle Ken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like dirty Uncle Ken. Well, that beard. You, you it's going to be like eyes wide shut party. Like <laughs> takes me to some weird party where everybody's got a mask on and. Yeah. No, but Tom I'm talking about there. the I'm talking about the realities, Rad. So cool. um, we'll all be there, Heather, myself, Ken. So this is a call out to all of our Car- Colorado people that are watching: Carlos, Jeff, Quilty, Charlie Weasel, everybody out there. You everybody need to that come keeps saying, to "I wish you guys did something this part." A bike show, yeah. and we're doing bike games. So bring your choppers. Show them what it's about. Another. There uh, might be some. There might be some serious announcements about that as well. So. Ooh. Another uh, another super fun event that's coming up quick here is the Texas Fandango. Heather and I are both members of the Cherokee chapter of the AMCA, and uh, they got a little they got a little shindig going on. And we're gonna be there. We are gonna be there. I hope so. Are you sure? I just said it live on air, so it you has did. to be. One of my uh, one of my favorite events of the year, and last year, man, like I just have to say, this event went over the top with the addition of the flat track races. Um, in short order, March twenty third and twenty fourth, the Donnie Smith Show. One definitely not to miss. Never been there. Oh my god, you, you have to go. Been, you have to go. It's uh. it's like everything you dig all in one building. They have a swap meet. They have a bike show they have some of the coolest cars i've seen in a long time they have a tattoo expo all it, at once it really it's just is. like the greatest melding of all things cool yeah it really nice. is a, a well-rounded show there's a little bit for every every segment you know it's a little bit of uh, motorcycle expo a little bit of high-end show a little bit of swap meet you know, just dirty, good old dirty biker stuff. And then when they oh. added in the the, uh, the flat track races too, man, it's just off the hook. So look forward to seeing my uh, my Minnesota brothers while we're up there for that. And next up on the slate, hot and heavy, we're coming into Daytona Beach for the one, the only Willie's Tropical Tattoo Chopper Time Show. What? That's what's up. It's going to be awesome. Always is. Like always. Um Obviously, uh, also during the Daytona party, Boogie East. The first one of these happened a few years ago um, down the street from the uh, the big center around the Iron Horse and the Broken Spoke. It's a little place called Annie Oakley's, and uh, some of our Texas brothers put this thing together called Boogie East. Nice, like, really reminds you of old Daytona. You know, it's a super cool vibe. Backyard, they always have a cool yeah. chill band and everybody just hangs. It's cool. Really I dig good it. time. So put that one on your, that's Friday. That'll be the day. The smell afterwards. of oregano is always in the air. Yeah, that's not oregano. <laughs> huh? Really? What? <laughs> that's not oregano. No, that's a fun, that's a fun show for sure. Teach is doing the Friday night pre-party at the, in this barn for the Donnie Smith show. Make sure everybody gets out the Bass Acres. We'll actually post a map to your house, Teach, just so everyone knows how to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Amy, Amy will be so happy that I said that. Just bring your red plastic cup. We'll have the keg. (laughs) You're supposed, you're supposed to whisper those words. I think he was talking about when I was talking about my dirty uncle Ken. No, it was when Jeff said he was in and was going to come to realities. He was very excited and like shouted it. Hmm. 
The Donnie Smith show is where Ashley and I told her family we got married. Drew Woodford, no kidding. Right on. Oh, that's super cool. Nice. Right on. So, yeah, lots of great stuff coming up, man. And um, we're going to keep you guys abreast of all all of it that we can. Um, in the how, many, how many shares we got so far? Do you know, I've been trying to keep track of it, but we... Chris has done such a good job of multicasting it. I'm going between all the Facebook pages and I can't keep up. So that's, that's something cool that we've added here with shop talk. When we press the broadcast button and we go live with this show. Now this is going through four Facebook pages, a YouTube page, a Twitter page, a, um, Stitcher, Twitch page, Twitch. Then it goes to Stitcher and to forever two wheels and into a proper library of podcasts through itunes so if you can't you know find who's it, on jesse from gettysburg no oh jesse yeah. Shippy. yeah he was Shipley. on yeah right on kool-aid up, man? oh yeah, oh, yeah. kool-aid what's up baby yeah. mm. Let's see. Uh-huh. all right we should probably pull this ship into the old dock I think so. It's it's sad to say, but we've uh, we've run out of talk time. We um, have. You guys have been awesome, like always. We can't Indeed. thank you enough for letting us into your headspace and and participating in our our little motorcycle talk here. Thank you very much for all your shares and all your support for Shop Talk. Make sure you take care of each other. Get those motorcycles ready because we're just around the corner from another great season. That's right. Take care of yourself. Follow those uh, neurological <laughs> biometrics thing. Yeah. Go yeah. south, ride a motorcycle. And if you're not sure of how to uh, how to participate more and further in the Shop Talk message, when we go live, if you'll just take a minute and go up to the f- like button, the following button, make sure that you check the thing that tells you when we're on like us pass us on to your friends it'll take this thing miles beyond where it is today which is already awesome and again we thank you for that until next week when we invade your headspace again i'm chris and i'm ken i'm heather we'll see you next week see you next week (laughs) 